Welcome to Storehouse Dallas. Romans 1, 16 to 17. If you're looking for a verse that frames this whole book, I believe this is it right here. Romans 1, verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. Say the power of God for salvation. Very good. To everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. Say the righteousness of God is revealed. From faith to faith. All right. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So the gospel is the power of God for salvation to those who believe. And it reveals the righteousness of God. So through chapters 1 through 11, Paul has been breaking down how the gospel releases the power of God for salvation, not only to go to heaven, but to experience the power of eternal life now, in this age, to those who believe. And it unfolds, it unveils the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. And so the main points that Paul has been making up to this point, where we enter in in chapter 12, they lead directly into the closing themes of these final chapters, which I believe is this in three words, walking in righteousness. And that will be our main theme of today. I believe Paul's main point more specifically is this. What does walking in righteousness look like? Walking in righteousness looks like walking in humility and love. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That God, you've anointed the words of, of God. That every single scripture that we're reading today has been breathed on by you. That your spirit saturates every written word in this book. I ask God for your spirit to come and saturate our hearts with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Give us eyes to see. Give us ears to hear. Unveil the righteousness of God. Release into our hearts the power of God for salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So again, in light of the theology that Paul has been setting about the righteousness of God in chapters 1 through 11, he urges in chapter 12, he urges the believers to do this. In light of the righteousness of God comes through faith in Jesus Christ. He says, I urge you, chapter 12, verse 1. Let's read it. Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brethren... In light of everything I've said these past 11 chapters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So living and holy sacrifices... That's what Paul urges us to do, to present ourselves in that way in light of everything we've learned thus far. Now, what does a sacrifice involve? It involves death. It involves the laying down of a life. Now, to be sure, Paul says a living sacrifice. So we're called to continue living 
but to also die daily and daily lay down our lives. And this daily dying and this daily laying down of our lives, it's holy, it's acceptable, and it's a pleasing sacrifice to God. But what does this look like more specifically? What I've already mentioned, humility and love. So we're going to break that down. Let's talk about love. Romans 13, verse 8. You can go ahead and turn there. See, because Paul has been talking about how the righteousness of God comes through faith in Jesus Christ, not through observance of the law of Moses. So it's not our ability to keep the law of Moses that earns us righteousness with God. It's a free gift. But when we start walking in love, it actually fulfills the entire law. Let's read chapter 13, verse 8. It says this, Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. For this, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, it is summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. So this free gift of righteousness that we receive, it empowers us to walk out love. And by walking in love, we fulfill the law. So God, how do I keep your commands? How do I get all of them right? You know, some of us are, are teachers. We're detailed. We like to make sure we hit every point. That's why I have my, all my notes up here. want to make sure I get every point for you today. <laughs> but how do we get every point of the, of the Old Testament and make sure that we're truly fulfilling and walking in the law? We center our lives on love. See, because sin, by nature, is self-focused. But love, by nature, is self-sacrifice. It's the dying daily. It's the laying down of our lives. And how do we do this? We receive the love of God that's poured into our own hearts, Romans 5.5. 5. How do I love? We encounter the love of God. How do I pour out more love? God, fill me up with revelation of your love. Ephesians 3, 16, one of my favorite prayers, that you would be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you may comprehend with all the saints the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. How do we grow in love? Strengthen me, Holy Spirit. Strengthen me with power in my innermost being to comprehend your love. We are empowered to walk in righteousness. We are empowered to walk in humility and love. But I want to get even more practical here. Because Paul really breaks this down over these next few chapters. And there's four main ways that I want to highlight in these next three chapters on what practically speaking, humility and love looks like in the body of Christ. I'm going to read them, and then we're going to go one by one. The first one, humility and love looks like building up others with our gifts, our actions, and our words. Secondly, humility and love looks like 
not judging one another. Thirdly, humility and love looks like making sure our personal convictions don't cause others to stumble. That'll be really key. And then finally, humility and love look like valuing and praising others for their giftings and their hard work in the church. So let's go there. Number one, humility and love looks like building up others with our gifts, actions, and words. So the gifts of the Spirit. Paul goes through these in Romans chapter 12. And he talks about, let each one of you practice these in accordance with your faith. For we're all many members of one body, and we're all dependent on each other. I have gifts that you don't have. You have gifts that I don't have. And in the body of Christ, it is teamwork makes the dream work. It really is. <laughs> That's my favorite saying besides Oh My Lanta. Um, that one... <laughs> That one's more subconscious. It just comes out whenever I'm not thinking about it. But I mean teamwork makes the dream work. It's really true. It's one body, many members here. That every single one of you, God's designed you in he's, he's, with personalities, with traits, with talents. But then the Holy Spirit has infused in you heavenly gifts to build up other people in the body. And it's real exciting when we start flowing in those gifts because we're like, oh, not only am I how God's designed me to be when he knit me together in my mother's womb, but then the Holy Spirit is infusing in my innermost being superpowers to build up the body of Christ. And so we want to start flowing and walking in those things. God, how have you gifted me? How have you designed me? And, and, and this is what I want to remind us, though, uh, of, though, is that though we get excited and it feels really good when you're like in your zone, when you know you're, you're operating in your gift, it's a lot of fun, is it not? But remember that it's, it's, it's building others up. It's not for the fame. It's not for being in the front. You know, I, I'm in front right now, but there's, there's a lot of times in life and a lot of things in my week that require me to go behind the curtain. And there's things that so many of you do that nobody sees. Anne-Marie High in this church does so many things that none of us see. Um, I get a little glimpse because I see her regularly and I see her in meetings. Um, um, she would, I don't know if she's in here, but she doesn't like when people brag on her, which is exactly why I picked, our, picked her. Um, but she just, she does so much. And I look at her, I'm like, how do you do all this? What is your world like on a day-to-day -day basis? Um, and, and we need that. A lot of you are doing those things in your workplaces, in the church, but we need everything. We need everyone's gift. We all have different roles, but we all share the same value in God's eyes. We build each other up with our gifts, our actions, and our words. We build one, our, one another up with these things as well. We are called to worship together, to pray together, to rejoice when someone's rejoicing. When someone shares a testimony of breakthrough, of healing, we rejoice with them. Even while we're waiting for our own breakthrough, we praise him for that person's breakthrough. And I mean, God, just real things happen in our heart when, when, when someone else is sharing the very breakthrough we've been contending for for a long time. 
Some of you want, really want to get touched by the love of God, encountered by the Lord. You come up for, for at the altar and people are falling down and, and getting blasted with God's love. And you're like, I've come up for the hundredth time and felt nothing. <laughs> and that feeling is real. It is, it is real deal. But you know, a good way to keep from going inward and self-focused, which is the nature of sin, um, um, the, the way to keep from staying in that place is to look out again and say, God, give them more. Touch them with more. God, thank you for what you're doing. And you know, there is that place in your heart, God, touch me too. And that, that's, that's real and that's there and it's not wrong to pray that. But you want to keep, what you want to guard against is the God, that person is, is, must be more special or I've got to do more or God likes them more or whatever it is. We turn away from that accusation in our hearts and say, God, give them more, bless them with more. I'm going to rejoice with them. I'm going to weep when they're weeping. I may be having a really good day. I may be seeing breakthrough and healing. I'm excited, but someone in the body is hurting. They haven't gotten breakthrough. They've had a rough week. They've had a rough day. And so I want to take a moment in love to build them up. We bless. We don't curse. We don't tear down with our words. You know, our words are so important. They really do matter. And I just want to charge you here in, in, with humility, with grace, is that we really ask the Holy Spirit to set a guard over the door of our lips. Because sometimes we come in blessing and blessing, but then we walk away when no one's looking, cursing and complaining about people. And I mean, Holy Spirit, help me. <laughs> you know, but that's not how it's supposed to be. Blessing and cursing should not be coming out of the same fountain. These are your brothers and sisters in the Lord. And people rub us up the wrong way. I mean, if there's one way to find out that we have some little pricklies in our heart, come to church. <laughs> Get close to somebody. <laughs> Spend an afternoon with them. Go on a road trip with them. And it's like, you know, you think all their issues are coming out, but really all yours are coming out. <laughs> and so <laughs> it's really both. Um, but you, but you, you learn, we're learning to navigate there. God, these things are coming up in my heart, but I want to bless. I want to, I want to, I want to, uh, I want to bless my brother and sister, even, even if there's, they're rubbing me the wrong way. We want to forgive offenses. We want to make room for other people's faults. If you think you're coming into a church to find perfect people, you've come to the wrong place. Okay, you found a room, you're in a room full of, of people that have been broken, that have been wounded, and that are coming here just, God, touch my heart. All of us, all of us, a lot of us have put a lot of tears on this uh, front part of the carpet here. Um, and that's okay. And, 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 oh, this should be a church. Everyone should be more perfect here. Yes, there is, a, there is a standard because we are filled. We have had the love of God poured into our hearts. And so we want to keep getting healed and keep getting loved. But I'm telling you guys, we're going to bump each other. And we've got to learn to make room, allowances for another one, one another's weaknesses, to build each other up in the midst of that, to forgive and to be at peace with everyone as much as possible, Paul says. This doesn't mean that we don't have difficult conversa conversations. 
with people. Uh, the longer I've been in pastoral ministry, the more I've realized I've got to kind of brave up a little bit and be willing to have a difficult conversation with somebody. Because we're devoted to one another in brotherly love, if there is an issue that needs to be addressed, we want to pray about how to do so in meekness, humility, and love. If we've wronged someone, we want to acknowledge what we did. We want to acknowledge not only our action, but how it made them feel. And we want to ask for forgiveness without excuses. This is so important. I mean, I have bad days. I have, I get short. I use a tone that I don't want to with, with people I love, with my own family, with my, oh, God bless my EJS students. Sometimes you, you get me and I'm just like, everyone be quiet right now. <laughs> and they, they feel it. And, then, and I've had to go back to people numerous times throughout my life um, and just say, I, you know, when I said that, I just, I used a harsh tone. You know, I had a rough day. It was, all this was going on, but it wasn't right how I talked to you. I'm sure that made you feel hurt and rejected and just belittled. Like, will you please forgive me? And you look them in the eye and you ask them that question. And when you start acknowledging what you did without excuse, see, there may be a reason, but it's not an excuse. I've had a hard day, but that's not a good reason for me to belittle somebody with my speech. And so if I've done that, I want to acknowledge it. And I want to ask for forgiveness. And if you are the one that's been wronged, when Matthew comes up and does that <laughs> and apologizes for how he's spoken to you or how he's ignored you or looked past you, whatever it was, that, that, that you look at him and you say, Matthew, I forgive you. This is so important. I have found, really over this past year even, that we as Christians, we've got to learn how to do this better. To approach people in meekness, humility, and love. To acknowledge where we've gone wrong, where we ask for forgiveness. And then where we forgive, we look someone in the eye and say, I forgive you. You know, and what's difficult is sometimes we, we, the person doesn't apologize. But God still calls us to walk in forgiveness. And so if they don't come to you, um, you're just going to have to get before the Lord and say, Father, you know, when Matthew said that to me, it just, it just felt really harsh and it just made me feel really belittled and I just felt really embarrassed. But Lord, this is my brother. I forgive him. I release him. I bless Matthew, Lord. I pray, God, whatever was going on with his day, whatever's going on, that, Lord, you just fill his heart with peace. And, Lord, I just pray you come and heal my heart right now because that hurt. You hearing what I'm saying here? Okay, this is, this is so key. Um, again, and if we're, we're the ones, 
addressing, sometimes we have to go up to somebody and say, you know, I'm, what you did there, it just, it really hurt. And just you said that, and it made me feel this way. <laughs> you know? That phraseology is so helpful. Because see, what the enemy will try to get us to do is to accuse. Like, Matthew hates me. Matthew doesn't love me. Matthew is just like, he is just so arrogant, or he's just whatever. That's what the enemy does. But we, we want to we believe the best about Matthew in that situation. Um, please, for the love. You know, there's a, you know, you, you're catching my strategy here, you know. Show grace to Matthew. <laughs> But sometimes I'm just like totally unaware. And so people have had to tell me, you know, Matthew, you said that and it just made me just made me feel really hurt. I just wanted to, I'm sure you didn't mean to, but I'm just really wanted to let you know. And I'm just like, oh, like, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to hurt you. You know, and it gives me a chance to clarify. I can, will you please forgive me for that? I did not, I did not, that, you know, that was, that was harsh. I just, I did not mean to do that. Will you please forgive me? I could just really say so much about here. But what what I want to clarify is that if we do have to talk to someone and address them, it's not, we're not trying to be right. We're trying to be in right relationship. That's always the goal. That's the goal in friendship. That's the goal in marriage, married folks. I mean, this is just, we want to get this ingrained in us. Because if it's about being right, you might be right, but the relationship is still broken. But if it's about being in right relationship, even if you are right, you're willing to prefer the other in love. The goal is not being right. It's being in right relationship. Um, And if we're getting hurt, if we're getting bothered, the issue might be in our own hearts. You know, sometimes people start bugging us they get under our skin, or just like, oh, when they do this, it just drives me crazy. But it could be there's something in your heart that needs to be dealt with. There could be a previous hurt or wounding there that has nothing to do with this person. They may be there may be a, a, a one of your faults coming out in this person in an amplified way. And so when, if you're feeling that rub with that, like, why does this person, when they do that, da, 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 get in prayer. God, what's going on here? If they did something, forgive them. But then ask the Lord, what's going on in my heart? Do I need to deal with something? Man, I could have preached just on this today. I'm going to recommend three books that have been really helpful to me in this area. Of heart healing of dealing with offense, and of having difficult conversations with people. The first one, it's Experiencing the Father's Embrace by Jack Frost. I think every Christian should read this book. It is so helpful, so practical, and God did a lot of healing in my soul. Um, secondly, The Bait of Satan. I, I think every Christian should read this one too, especially if you've been offended in a church, by a church. And then finally, how to have that difficult conversation. (laughs) So practical, so helpful. It is going to unclog the emotional 
stuckness of the body of Christ if we start getting our hearts healed and learn how to forgive and learn how to approach one another and address issues in meekness, humility, and love. Amen? Okay, we're going to fly through the second one here. I spent some time on that because I just felt like it was, this is a big thing in the body. Okay, what else does humility and love look like? It looks like not judging each other. Romans 14, 4 through 6. 14, 4 says, Who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master, he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person regards one day above another. Another regards every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced, really key, in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it for the Lord, and he who eat does so for the Lord. For he gives thanks to God, and he who eats not, for the Lord he does not eat, and gives thanks to God. What are we talking about? Not judging each other. It's not judging each other for personal convictions about what we eat, what we drink, and how we worship God. Okay, now there's definitely some essentials here. (laughs) We worship God through our Lord Jesus Christ. (laughs) We worship in spirit and in truth. Those are are non-negotiables there. But there's certain how we do that. And see, Paul here is talking to a Jew and Gentile community. So you had Jews that were used to the Sabbath day on Saturday. But you have, over time, the church started uh, um, worshiping more on Sundays as the day the Lord rose. And so it's like, okay, we're a Jew and Gentile community. How is that going to look? Um, are, are Jews going to celebrate Passover, the Day of Atonement, or the Feast of Tabernacles? And the Gentiles, we just like got saved. We're like, we don't know what those are. Like, what's going on here? And there's arguing going on. We should be doing, we should be celebrating the, the Passover just like the Jews do at, at Storehouse every year, you know? And, it's, and we get into this, this arguing and Paul is saying, stop judging each other for that. If you're going to observe that day, praise God. Do it for the Lord. If you're not going to eat because you're keeping your, your, your Jewish background and you're not going to eat pork as you, and you're a believer, that's, that's your personal conviction. But don't judge your Gentile brother that loves bacon, egg sandwiches, you know? <laughs> Paul says explicitly in here, I am convinced that no food is unclean in and of itself. But if it's unclean for the person, it's unclean for that person. And I want to be clear here, not judging each other doesn't mean we don't address sin going on. Okay, we get kind of confused here. Oh, I don't want to judge this person that's getting drunk all the time and like coming to or like having, you know, in all these abusive relationships, but I don't want to judge them. Um, We don't want to judge them as in we don't want to condemn them, but we may want to address some issues here. Say, hey, like, I think this, what you're doing here is really destructive. You seem to be in a cycle here. Like what's, what's going on? We want to be able to address these things. But on non-essentials, we don't want to judge. Third, humility and love looks like making sure that how we carry out these personal convictions doesn't cause others to stumble in their faith. Romans 14, 13 to 15. 
Romans 14, verse 13 says this, Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. I know and am convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but to him who thinks anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. For if because of food your brother is hurt, you are no longer walking according to love. Do not destroy with your food him for whom Christ has died. So, what does this look like? If you know a believer, a Christian, keeps kosher, they don't eat pork, they don't eat catfish, (laughs) you don't want to judge them for that. But but if you're going to invite them over to your house, you probably don't want to offer them pork loin. You want to respect the convictions that that person has. And if you are convinced that certain things are wrong to eat or to drink, you don't want those to cause you to look down upon others for not keeping your holy standard when it comes to eating and drinking. Again, these are, these are non-essentials to salvation here. We're not saved by what we eat or drink or don't eat or drink. We are saved by faith in Jesus Christ. Um, But I think there's another relevant matter here I want to address um, that's common in churches, common in Christian communities, and that's drinking alcohol. Now, Scripture does not uh, forbid the drinking of alcohol. The Passover meal that Jesus and his disciples share definitely contained some alcohol. And there's arguments about how alcoholic it was. We don't want to get into that. We just know it was the Jewish custom. So there was something going on. They likely drank it at the wedding in John chapter 2. So it doesn't forbid the drinking of alcohol, but here's what it does. It forbids abusing alcohol. It forbids getting drunk. And so if, if you have a, this issue with alcohol, and you're just like, man, I'm all free in Christ. I don't have to, I don't have, I'm not, I'm free from religion. I can drink. I can do all these things. But I see that it's kind of destructive to you or to people around you. I'm going to say, hey, this doesn't look like it's very good for you. Let's talk about this. Or the way that you handled yourself during that social event, you had way too much to drink. And did you know that this person, you said this to this person, it really hurt them? I think you should apologize to them. And if we do believe it's, if we're fully convinced that we're, I can drink, I can, I can have a glass of wine, I can have a beer. We're not to judge those as, as religious that, that think it's not okay. So if someone thinks that drinking is not okay for them or for someone else, we don't want to look, oh, they're just being so religious. Now, they're being religious if they're looking down on you and condemning for what you're doing or just just for drinking. Um, They're not being religious if they're addressing how you're abusing it. They're being a brother in love, a sister in love. But if if if, 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 if you feel like drinking is okay, you want to still consider your brother or sister that for whatever reason thinks it's not okay, whether for them or for anybody, because you don't know what's going on. 
It may be that God's told them not to drink. So it's, it's not love to make fun of them or to pressure them or to make them feel like they're religious because of a personal conviction that they have. Some people should not be drinking. Those that have a pattern of abusing alcohol should not be drinking, in my opinion. I don't think you should be anywhere near it. But for those, if, if we're, we're, some people have been hurt or wounded by, by others that have abused alcohol, so they've personally chosen not to, not, to, not to drink. And we want to respect that. We want to honor them. So if we're so caught up in our freedom to drink that we're not considering how our actions of drinking around other people are affecting them, we're not in love. If you know you're with a brother or sister in the Lord that struggles with alcohol addiction or that gets seriously emotionally triggered when they're around it, you might want to ask the Holy Spirit how to relate to them environments that involve drinking. Should I drink? Holy Spirit, is it... You know, we're in a social event. I've invited people over to my house. Like, I, I know this person has, has just expressed that they struggle with alcohol. I just, should I, should I even offer alcohol? Or if you're at a social event, like, Lord, is it, would it help, would it be a damage to my brother or sister if I, if I ordered a glass of wine right now? And that's preferring each other in love. Walking in righteousness looks like walking in humility and love. Finally, what does humility humility and love look like? It looks like valuing and praising others for their giftings and their hard work in the church. I'm going to read Romans 16, verse 1. I didn't send it to our team, so we don't have it. So if you'll just look, um, Paul writes in, Romans 16, verse 1, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a servant of the church, which is, which is in Cancrea, that you receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints, and that you help her in whatever matter she may have need of you. For she herself has also been a helper of many and of myself as well. So Paul is commending to them Phoebe. And he's telling her, receive her in a manner worthy of the saints. She's helped me. She's helped many. He's praising and he's valuing her for her gifts and her hard work in the Lord. And we have a whole chapter here. I mean, I used to, especially as I was first getting into the, reading the Bible, you get to Romans, and it's just a whole line of like 25 people. <laughs> it's just a greet so-and-so. Say hey to Priscilla and Aquila. Say hey to Mary. Say hey to Andronicus. And you're just like, okay, I'm going to fast forward to the little prayer at the end. Amen. Read the book of Romans. Praise God. Um, but there's really is something here. Um, how does, what does this have to do with walking in humility and love? Well, for Paul, it demonstrates and it rec- that he recognizes he can't do this on his own. It really is teamwork makes the dream work. It really is many members with one body. And he says, I need these people. And so do you praise them, value them, honor them, receive them. He can't do it alone. And I just love this because let's think about it. Paul is an apostle. He's one of the leading apostles. So the highest office of the church. And he is taking time after 15 chapters of laying out the gospel, which is the power of God for salvation and reveals the righteousness of God. By the way, greet these 25 people. That's how much this meant to Paul. 
He didn't think of himself more highly than he ought. So, we value and we praise others for their gifts and their hard work. It honors them, it builds them up, and it honors God. How many of you in this, um, you serve in any capacity here in the church? You help, you volunteer, you pick up trash or water bottles when you're walking by. I'm going to count that. Praise God for people. <laughs> okay, I just if you'll just hold your hands high, okay? I'd like, you to, I'd like you to stand. If you serve in this church, and I just want a round of applause for everyone that serves right now. Thank you for what you do. I'm telling you as a pastor, I really mean, I believe it. Teamwork makes the dream work. We cannot do it without everyone that's involved here. Thank you. You may be seated. Um, this is just so important. And Paul, as an apostle, is demonstrating humility and love by honoring and acknowledging each person that's important to him. And I just want to highlight a couple of things about this group of people before we close. This group of people includes Christians who are Jewish, and Christians who are Gentile. The very thing he's addressing in this whole book. Both are important, he's saying. He's addressing Christians who are wealthy and Christians who are not so wealthy. You start going down this list and you look them up and they're, sometimes they pop up in the book of Acts and it's like, oh yeah, this one owned their own business. You know, <laughs> This one was a leader of a synagogue and has, like, like, has his big house right next to the synagogue. <laughs> You know, others are, are, are walking with Paul or financing his ministry. But others are the recipients of that blessing to work with him and labor in the Lord that aren't so wealthy. Both are important. Whatever means, whatever financial means that you have right now, every gift, financial gift that you give, it matters to God. It matters to the church that you're a part of. It matters to Storehouse. Christians who serve in the government and Christians who are civilians. Christians who are men and Christians who are women. And I want to highlight a couple of things that is often overlooked about women involved in ministry. Phoebe was a deacon in the church who delivered this very letter to the church in Rome. I commend to you, Phoebe, receive her. He commended Priscilla, who with her husband Aquila led a church in her home, traveled with him on missionary journeys, and was involved in the daily activities of the church. A woman named Mary who worked hard for the church in Rome. Tryphena, Tryphosa, workers in the Lord. A woman named Junia, whom Paul says is outstanding among the apostles. And this, this either... I believe it, it's a reference that she actually is an apostle, but at the very least, it's that she's notable and has a rep, high reputation amongst the apostles. And Tracy preached last week um, on biblical foundations for women in ministry. And if you hadn't had a chance, I, I encourage you to get that. Romans 16 is really key for seeing how God uses women in preaching the gospel, planting churches, and in building and working in the church day to day. Right here in Romans 16. So you can check that out. She goes into more detail. But all had certain gifts and roles, but all were dependent on one another. Many members, one body. 
Walking in humility looks like walking in humility and love. Let's stand. If we can have some instrumental music play right now. just want to summarize and pray. What does walking in humility and love look like? It looks like building others up with our gifts, our actions, and our words. Humility and love looks like not judging other people for their personal convictions about what they eat, drink, or days where they worship the Lord. Love looks like making sure how we carry out those personal convictions don't cause a brother or sister to stumble. Humility and love looks like valuing and praising others for their gifts and their hard work in the church. So we pray right now. I just want us to take a moment. God, what does humility and love look like for me this week? Maybe something, one of these four things that I've highlighted, something's really come up in your heart. Maybe some conviction of how you've judged others for how they eat, drink, or worship. Maybe for how your personal convictions, or you said it's okay to do these things, but you might have caused that the Holy Spirit convicts you that, that you haven't, you've judged other people as being religious, or you've, you've, you've done something that's caused others to stumble. You haven't carried yourself in love and meekness to your brothers with your convictions. Or maybe there's some, the Holy Spirit will say, hey, I really want you to value and, and praise this person this week. It may be at church, but it may be at work. There may be someone in your workplace that really needs to be acknowledged and what, they, what they've done. So we're just going to ask the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to let him talk to you. So Holy Spirit, come right now. We thank you for the love of God that's been poured out into our hearts. And I pray, Holy Spirit, you just show us practically. Show us, Lord, what humility and love looks like for us. How we can walk this out this week even. If there's any conviction, anything we need to repent of, God, we open our hearts. Or if there's simply just your instruction, a nudging of your spirit to talk to someone, to pray for someone, to bless someone, to acknowledge someone, to forgive someone. Come now, Holy Spirit, and just speak to us. Just give them a few moments here. How many of you, by a show of hands, the Holy Spirit has, has just showed you, highlighted something to you for this week? Awesome. Awesome. Um, we're just going to take another moment to pray. For those that haven't heard anything yet, Holy Spirit, He may speak today, He may speak on the way home, but we're just going to give Him another opportunity to speak right now in this moment. So quiet your heart. God, any practical way to show love, to walk in humility and love this week. We just ask you, Holy Spirit, show us right now.
by a show of hands again, even if you raised your hand last time, how many of you, the Holy Spirit showed you something practically? Okay, great. Um, so what I'm going to do is close in prayer. The rest of us, Holy Spirit, you know, I don't get all hung up and worried if I don't hear something immediately, but just be attentive throughout this week. Keep that question. God, how do I walk in humility and love in my family, in my work? Um, so I'm going to close us in prayer, but here's what I want you to do if you did hear something. I want you to write it down. And I want you to do it. And then as you write it down, um, I just I want to encourage you to after you fulfill that, after you do it, to just journal about that moment. Like, God, you told me to praise this person. I did it. Here's how they responded. Just something, a testimony that you have before the Lord right now um, from today that you said, God told me to do this. I did. And here's the fruit of it. Um, So let's pray.